Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nerd to the Third, your stop for video games, movies, and nerd culture. Today, we're bringing you the power of three with your hosts, Nate, Link, and a super sick and down with the sickness, Nick. Oh, ah. Hi everybody. Are you guys want some candy? Yeah. <laughs> I know I used He's that He's also trying to do cast, his really terrible care. Pickle Rick impression. Yeah, I could see that. Hi. So I was waiting for him to do it, and he didn't do it. All right, before we get started, let's do some grinding. Uh, if you want to check us out on Twitter, you can follow us at TX3Productions. You can also check out our other podcast, Apex Legends Hubcast, that is at Apex Legends Cast on Twitter as well. And Link, where can they go for our Discord? Well, if you check the description for this podcast, you'll actually see the Discord link, but it's also pinned to our Twitter, if that's easier for you to look at. Um, But the cool thing about the Discord is more and more people have joined, so we've decided to start doing a little bit of weekly giveaways. Um, And this past week, we had a cool one where all you had to do to enter was shout out where you were from and representing the wonderful city of Houston, Texas, our boy Dan Easy has won this week in the drawing, which means he gets two $25 gift cards to wherever he sees fit. That means he can get one for Starbucks and one for PlayStation. He can get two for PC, whatever he wants. Dan, all you have to do is reach out to us on the Discord within a week, and we will get you your prize. Dan, you can try and take those gift cards to the strip club. You're probably going to get turned away at the door, but it's at least it's worth a shot. I mean, you can at least say that you Where did it. Where would you swipe them? Oh, you oh. don't want to know. Okay. Swiper, no swiping. They have a special... They have <laughs> Swiper, no swiping. Also, shout out to Houston, I guess, kind of. Texas boys, what up? Um, yeah, and also, if you like what we do here, you can look us up on Patreon. That's going to be at Threat X 3 Productions. We've got several tiers that you can pick from. We also have uh, some producers that have already subscribed to the Patreon, so we'll give shout-outs for them later in the show. Um, but for now, the first thing we're going to look at today is some of the headlines of the week. All right, so we had a couple things to talk about here. The first one is, man, EA had a week yep. they really really did some good also some bad a lot of mostly bad yeah. bad yeah a lot of bad a lot of bad good in some good in some ways so the first thing is there's still problems with Anthem. what so you mean a game that I'm they not, just threw out had problems so i'm not gonna jump on the bandwagon here of everyone being like Screw Anthem. Anthem, this game sucks. Why are you playing this game? Why are you having fun? If you're having fun with it, you're having fun with it. That's, that's cool. very true. But the biggest thing that's come up in the past couple of weeks is the whole bricking situation. Yeah. People having their PS4s literally being bricked. There's only been, so far as I've seen, one actual report of someone's console being completely bricked that they can't turn back on, and it was on Reddit. Um, but for a lot of other people, um, it's causing the crashes that basically shuts off the ps4 and then it restarts itself so so far i've only seen one where it's actually bricked the console but that's just something that's not forgivable yeah when you have a game that's literally breaking your console that is a problem uh, i think it's probably more common than we realize with a lot of newer games but because anthem has already shat the bed 
It has become yeah. just such a like every little thing they do is going to be right. viewed with a microscope. And right, so, since they already Fallout seventy six did up. Yeah, Mass Effect Andromeda it pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, see, we even with Mass Effect Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda had a similar tale to uh, Assassin's Creed Unity in the sense of their biggest problem was not game. I mean, it was game breaking in the sense of like people's faces were missing, but it was mostly just glitch stuff. Right. Like this is the first time in recent memory I've seen people's like a widespread triple A game causing people's consoles to not be able to be right. played. Yeah, I I guess my argument um, is that could be happening. Like even with uh, like great games like Apex. Maybe there are situations where that's happening, but that's not going to rise to the top of Reddit as fast as something negative with Anthem will. Does that make sense? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to disagree considering how good Apex is doing. Um, having this black mark on its you know, career would be like something that I feel like a lot of people would jump on because it's like when something does really good, like back in the day, Overwatch or whatever, you know, anybody who there, there are plenty of people who would like to just hate on Overwatch. I was definitely one of them, you know, and it was pretty much just because like it's 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 a good game. But God damn, it's not that great. Yeah. Now, there have been crashes with Apex. Um, like I know some of the guys that kind of funny, like uh, Andy Cortez and them, they've said before that they've had like blue screens from playing Apex, but that was mostly to do with the friends list. Oh, glitch, really? Um, on, on PS4, when you have a massive, or if you have the limit of friends list, when it comes to playing certain multiplayer games, sometimes it'll cause it to crash. So that's been the thing that I've seen with Apex. Um, but I think the, well, so I will disagree with you a little yeah. bit, Nick. Like, you're right, but also I think these would be two separate tales. With Apex being a completely stealth yeah. launch, like no press, none whatsoever. In my opinion, it's not as heavy in the public eye of if something like this happens. Now, in comparison to Anthem, this game has been hyped up for years. This is EA's new Destiny True. killer. Yeah. And it has this level of expectation. So when it launched, and it launched at lower than expectation, and then it just kept on going down, it's 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 kind of a worse tale for, tale for EA than if that would have happened with Apex, yeah. I believe. Do you remember right. when... E3 debuted this game and uh, they showed Xbox footage and then it was shown in PS4 but it, yep. it turns out that it was just like a superimposed Xbox image with like PS4 buttons over it. Do you guys remember that, that whole horrible. controversy? Horrible. There, there's that's, that's a whole thing with Anthem as well uh, that just stuff that they've shown is just not and that's been the biggest issue apart from the actual game breaking is people have gone back and scrubbed through e3 footage even from this past year and them showing off streams of like the content and like one of them for example was in one of the streams they were showing the marketplace they were showing like at launch all the like helmets and uh outfits or vinyls mm -hmm. and um and dances or not dances but uh emotes and things like that and then you we get the game and we have three helmets yeah we have like and people are like where is this at like why not have this at launch it, it, it don't show it and then not have it in the game it doesn't make any yeah. sense so i don't think i f i feel like what what do you guys think do you think this is becoming a more damning tale than 76 or which which situation do you think is worse? i don't know i mean 76 was uh, you thought it was a one-of-a-kind kind of situation and to see ea do such a similar like it's not beat for beat 
obviously, but to do it so similarly, like from a technical aspect, I feel like that's what's damning about it. Cause it's like, this just happened. So what Anthem and the people at Anthem should have seen is they should have seen that as a warning and be like, you know what? We can't do that. But instead them not learning from a competitor so quickly after is just, you know, mind blowing. I think if the question is which is more damning, I think it's more damning for Anthem simply because yeah. it's a new franchise whereas Fallout has a loyal Ooh, that's a, good point. a loyal fan base that despite the disaster and how much they hate it like me, um, the next Fallout that comes out realistically they're still going to get um, whereas Anthem if Anthem comes out with Anthem 2 or whatever they want to do in that direction in a few years um, I think it just completely screws them for future releases yeah to to jump off of that i think another thing is is when 76 came out there was a large portion of you know the bethesda fan base that was like this is a game i don't really want but there was also a good sized portion like you nick i think that was like i like fallout that'd be interesting to play right. with other players yeah. so with a game that for most people is like, this isn't something I don't know if I really want. And then it coming out in the state that it did. And everyone's like, Oh, that just confirmed my suspicions. This isn't a game that I want. Whereas like you were Mm. saying with Anthem, Anthem was not being touted as a destiny killer, but like, Oh, this could be a good competitor for destiny. And then it just came out and had probably worse issue. Like, I really think that Anthem's vanilla is way worse than destiny once oh yeah like oh, destiny yeah. once vanilla it's it's problem was it was just not a whole lot whereas this is like oh we you've you ha- should have learned these mistakes by now yeah, why is definitely. it here yep. so and kind of lighter news but still interesting the last part with ea is they've kind of decided to do their own thing this year for e3 so they've come out and announced that they're not going to hold a press conference at e3 like they've done in the past they're still going to continue their ea play event um but instead of doing like a 90-minute press conference, what they're going to do now is for for their game specifically, they're going to have announcement live streams. So like they're going to for sure announce um, Jedi Fallen Order at Star Wars Celebration. But for an example, instead of having a 90-minute conference of, hey, let's talk about FIFA, Star Wars, Madden, they're going to say, hey, we're going to have a live stream about Madden at this time. We're going to have a live stream about FIFA at this time, kind of similar to a Nintendo Treehouse event. Yeah. Now, this I'm actually okay with because the EA press conferences at E3 were always my least favorite because there was like maybe 20 minutes of it I actually wanted to watch. The first 30 to 45 was sports games, which I don't play any of the EA sports titles. So I actually think this is a good thing. My whole kind of take on this situation, though, is is what really is going to happen to E3 now? Mm -hmm. I mean, EA was... they kind of dropped off years ago. I mean, yes, it was still technically a part of E3, but it also wasn't. It was in a completely separate building. It was on a completely separate day. So was it a part of E3? Yes, technically. But in my my opinion, not really. They, they I mean, really all they're trying to say, I guess, is maybe it's going to be on a different week or a different weekend. I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like they've already been gone, so personally i i don't really care one way or the other 
Right. So for for all of this stuff that's going to happen, I think down the road, I think it's going to be in the best interest of the developers and the publishers. Um, with them doing these like live streams instead of a ninety minute conference, that's going to do better for those games specifically. Instead of like like prime example for me, I want to see something about Star Wars, but I don't want to sit through forty minutes of sports. If I want to just focus on Star Wars, EA's telling me, hey, at this time, watch the live stream for our Star Wars right. coverage. And so that works better for me. It works better for them because they don't have everything lumped in together and they're having to drown anything. Now, what is this going to do for people since the, the, the kind of frustrating, interesting part is within these past couple of years, E3's finally started allowing consumers to come in instead of it just being a press right. junket. So although this is going to do very well for these publishers and developers to kind of get their more of their games in the public eye, at a specific point, this probably isn't going to be a good thing for consumers coming to the show. True. Yeah. If they continue to do this, so I don't know. What do you What do you guys think's going to happen with E three? Do you think it's It's going to We're going to see a radical change in the next couple of years, or do you think they're just going to kind of band aid until they figure something for out? For the past couple of years, that I believe E three uh, will go downhill slowly. I do believe that this is the start of a few publishers who are going to wind up falling off and start doing their own event. But at the same time, E3 does get a lot of press and it does get a lot of spotlight, but it's by no means the only major conference that happens throughout the year where game developers announce games or changes, uh, i.e. Gamescom or PAX, if you've ever seen those live. I don't think that E3 is so radical that if we lost it um we'd be lost in other words if that makes sense what do you think nick um i mean i don't know i just i honestly don't care one way or another because i mean i've never liked ea and their press conferences you know and i think it is because of the whole you know 20 minutes of bs that you have to sit through so like me personally the only time i've ever actually like watched it watched it like me personally, especially the last couple of years when they've done their own thing, I've just watched. I've watched it after the fact, so I've always like fast forwarded mm. it to the parts that I wanted to see. So, I, I mean, I I literally just do not care one way or another. They could just not have one at all, and I wouldn't have known the difference. Well, what about e, what about E three as a whole? Oh, E three. What do you think? Um, all I can say f- from a personal standpoint is that my dream as a gamer has been to go to E three, and so if it just basically disintegrates before I'm ever able to go, I mean, I'll, I might still be able to go to PAX West. I might still be able to go to Gamescom, obviously, but it's just not the same. You know, it's just. It, it's different. It'll be the same, but different. So there'll there'll be a part of me that just kind of dies inside. So I do have an p- unpopular opinion about the whole E3 thing. Um, I, I wanted to go as well, but in terms of the functionality of everything, I think they should have just left it as a press event, as a you know production event, yeah. because you have things like 
PAX and Gamescom and places for that are designed for, hey, gamers, come here to the show, play these games. You know, we'll talk about certain things. It's not going to be wide announcements like E3, but I think that they should have just left it separate. E3 is the place where you're going to get big announcements, and it's for the press to give you these announcements. And then PAX and Gamescom and other conventions like that, these are where the gamers are going to... Uh, PSX. This is where... These are conventions are for the right. gamers. Um, because that just makes things a lot more simple. You know, e- especially now that everyone's pulling out and trying <laughs> to do their own thing. Giggity. And so it just... It, it just I, I don't know. It's it's a very confusing time. Like like I said before, th- these moves are going to be great for yeah. developers and for publishers, but I don't know if this change for E3 is going to be good for consumers like you that are excited about True. going to this, True. going to E3. Yeah. Our, our last story we're going to talk about today is Will Smith commits suicide squad. Wow. <laughs> so basically the, the story behind this is if you're, if you're not, involved in the situation if you don't know anything about it james gunn the director of guardians of the galaxy among you know plenty of other things he is basically doing a he's doing the sequel for suicide squad but it's come out that it's not really going to be a sequel it's going to be a spiritual successor slash soft reboot in a way the biggest story behind this is that will smith is out as deadshot and it's either confirmed or it's almost confirmed that Idris Elba is going to be replacing Will Smith as Deadshot. So for me, this is fantastic news because I love Idris Elba. I liked Will Smith a lot as Deadshot. I thought his character was was really good. Like, he was one of my favorite parts of the movie. But I'm not upset that they're replacing him with Idris Elba just because I love Idris Elba. But where okay. I'm at is... Why are you saying Idris Elba? Because that's how I say it. It's his name. Okay. It's wrong, but you can keep his name. Idris Elba. Anyway, the thing that I'm confused about is Marco Robbie is still talking about being Harley Quinn in this new Suicide Squad. So, like, I don't, with with the handling of DCEU so far, like, if this was a Marvel situation and they were trying to retcon a character, I would trust their ability to be able to come up with something. True. With DC... I don't. How are they going to handle this transition? Like, how does it make sense that that Deadshot is a new person, but Harley Quinn is still the same? Yeah. And also, they're they're they also announced or they kind of leaked that the some of the roster for the new Suicide Squad is going to consist of people we haven't really heard of. The only one that I know of is King Shark because he was uh, in the Arrowverse as well as he was in the recent animated return to Arkham suicide squad movie. So I know that character, but my whole thing is, is if you're going to do a spiritual successor slash soft reboot, why not just do, cause suicide squad has a full roster of characters you can pick from. Why not just do it again with all new characters? I mean, I know they want star appeal, you know, Idris Elba, Nick, you want to be Nick picky and Margot Robbie, of course, you know, they're, they'll sell tickets. So as a, business side i understand that but as far as how the content is going to come out i i just i don't know i really don't. i mean we're talking about the same people who have officially killed the dceu who have another joker joaquin phoenix um, excuse me um and (laughs) also birds of prey which harley quinn is also going to be in like this complete DC in general, when it comes to the live action, is a complete sh- show. This, I, 
I don't understand it. Why did they green light a Joker standalone movie? And it wasn't, you know, uh, what's his name? God, I just lost it. Um, Jared Leto. I don't know why I couldn't think. Uh, probably because I'm sick. <laughs> Anyways, so the fact that they did that was weird enough as it is. But now that we've had pretty much the confirmation that they're no longer trying to make, you know, an MCU alike, you know, it's just like this entire thing is just so weird, you know. And it's like, I don't know, maybe if Itris Elba would have been somebody else. Maybe it would have been made sense, but since they are basically just saying, well, now you're Will Smith's character, it's just like, like you were saying, there's a huge roster, and of that roster, there just happens to be, you know, a few of them that are African-American, so let's just make him a different character rather than, you know, I mean, granted, then you'd have to kill up Will Smith's character, but boo forgetty who. Well, there's also, what's even more confusing is, is like, Shazam's coming out next month. I'm really excited to see it. Like this is the first DC movie in a while. I'm really, really excited yeah. to see that's still in universe. That's a good point. I mean, it's 100% still point. in universe. I mean, in the trailer, he's holding uh Batflex battering, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I don't, I, maybe she's maybe Aquaman and Shazam were the last ones to be in universe. But even there was a report that, Aquaman is in a different movie. Like it's confirmed that he was a part of a different. So I don't, none of it makes sense. Just retcon the entire right. thing. Like the, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, I'm excited to Bless see you. because he's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal actor and a phenomenal method actor in particular. So I'm excited to see what his portrayal of this character would be. But you're right. If they didn't plan out this universe to be something like MCU to begin with, Which they clearly didn't, then that would have been fine. Which, uh, yeah, for sure they clearly didn't. But it's 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 sad to see something that had a good bit of potential. I mean, all of the characters in DC's lineup have potential to, to be great, depending on whose hands they're in. But, I mean, it, it, it the worst part is we have seen step-by-step step them changing things. Like, in the entire process, the consumers have been involved with it. We've seen them retcon this or switch this out for something else like to make the quick adjustments right on the fly and it just it definitely just shows how they were really trying to force this universe film style rather than carefully planning it out like marvel i think uh i think idris elba is a top quality actor i believe if at the beginning i had a choice between will smith and idris elba doing that role in the first Suicide Squad, I would have chosen Idris Elba because I feel like he would fit that character better. I feel like he's more on the serious side um, and can still do some dry humor. I do think, however, because of the director choice that they made for this movie, that I'm still going to hold my faith and see it with excitement, the same level of excitement that I saw it with in the first movie, if that makes sense. I could agree with that. And, the, it, you know, it also with this, it's very much that DC is responsible for this. The people who are behind, like Warner Brothers, they're responsible f- for these mistakes, in my opinion. Like David Ayer. David Ayer is a, a great director. You know, I liked Fury. I still haven't seen Bright. I want to. <sighs> good movie. Um, was Bright it's good? A good movie. Good it's movie? A good movie. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a great director. And there, when this was coming out, there were reports that the movie that he made wasn't the movie that we saw the movie that we saw was 
some exec being like, hey, make this movie like the trailer. And you can see that 100%. Like that movie is the trailer. So I still want to see David Ayer's cut. And David Ayer has said it doesn't exist, but that's him saving face. We know it exists. Yeah, just like there's a Zack Snyder cut. We know it's there somewhere. (laughs) Exactly. I think we'll get that at some point because even Zack Zack Snyder is playing around with the Zack Snyder cut thing on uh, hashtag on Twitter. But this is kind of the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, whenever me and you were going back and forth about defending, you know, who's re- like Treyarch, who's responsible and who, who's not. I think that the execs in the situation are responsible for most, if not all oh, of these now mistakes. It's the execs before it was the developers, but now it's the execs. You know, <laughs> if you're going to pick a freaking side, can you just stay there? I guess that just shows you how no, centrist you are way. is that, you know, you just lean to one side whenever it, conveniently goes across your crosshairs this is america so let me slip in that (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah those were the headlines for this week kind of the things that people were talking about more specifically what we wanted to talk about so all right next up we're going to get into our weekly grind We've had a weekly run in the past, but if you're new here, basically it's just kind of our chance to talk about what we've been doing, what we've been playing, and kind of what just been going on in our lives pretty much. So, Nick, why don't you go ahead and get us started? Um, Hi, my name is Nick, and I play video games. Hi, Nick. <laughs> hi, my name is Jeffy. I like apples. <laughs> um, Link did it right. You did it wrong. So I know. I did you're fired. Wrong, Anyways, um... So one thing I actually ended up doing this weekend is, you know, I went to I went to the Red Box. I picked up uh Instant Family, which I do have to admit was a pretty, you know, pretty good pretty good movie. Made me cry a couple of times, you know. I'm not ashamed to say. Uh but actually it was good. It was the one with Mark Mark Wahlberg and something rose. And so they adopt, you know, three kids basically. And so I really liked it. It was actually a really good movie, so that's a recommendation all by itself. Um, but because of that, it's all like, hey, would you like a free game? And I'm like, okay. And so I picked up uh, Metro Exodus. Um, and I absolutely love Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light. Absolutely love them. I love their style, uh, how it's kind of survival horror, but it's more kind of an action. You know, we were talking before, you know, uh, we started recording, and it's like the difference between a thriller movie versus a horror movie, you know. And I, I, I guess that's the best way to describe it is the fact that it's, you know, it, it is scary at parts, but that's not the main focus of it. So I really like that. And Metro Exodus was like, okay, here's Metro, the same Metro you like, love and like, and everything, but now there's going to be these giant, these giant biomes, basically, where, you know. And they're going to be different. You're going to be on this like road trip, which I really like. At the very beginning, I'm going to spoil something really fast. Uh, at the very beginning, you find out that um, that uh, Moscow has basically been cut off from the rest of the world. So you thought that like Moscow was the only person or the only town that survived the Holocaust or whatever, or not the Holocaust, the apocalypse. Sorry. 
um, you thought you were the only city city that survived. You didn't know anybody else was out there. And then, you know, you break this jammer and then you find out, oh, no, there's tons of people still alive out there. And so part of this is going across the country, basically, of Russia and trying to find uh, another group of survivors. And so I really like the setup. I really like the premise of it. But unfortunately, like, I'm not into this. I don't know if it's just where my head is right now or what, but I am just not into it. And I think part of that has to do with the fact <clears throat> has to do with the fact that um the metro like mechanics i don't feel like they're working as good as they should in an open environment so it's like i go up to something and it should be just an easy like okay my character steps over it but like the geometry isn't set up perfectly so i can get stuck on random ass geometry where like any other game because it was you know from the ground up an open world they built it in such a way and so like little things like that wouldn't bug it um and so it was just there's just a lot of instances where it's like i'm trying to get up over here i'm trying to explore which is the whole point of having an open environment and i just felt like the game was just fighting me at every turn and so i feel like for now i'm gonna have to wait you know, like, I thank God I rented it. Because if I bought this, I would be freaking pissed. Like, I don't even know if I would finish it because of how pissed I am. You know what I mean? But since I rented it, I'm like, you know what? Maybe if this goes on sale, like, half price. Or maybe even, like, you know, 20 bucks or something like that. I could see me picking it up then. But for now, it's just like, I I'm kind of done with this. Like, it's just not hitting me in the right spot at all. So... I do have an interesting point with this in the fact of I started Metro 23, Metro 2033 this week. Um, so the Redux collection, I have bought maybe four times. Oh, I'm yeah, really? Sure. I bought it a couple times on PC or something like that. And then I bought it again on PS4. But I never, like I started 2033 at one point a couple years ago. And then I got, I got basically through the first intro part and then I just stopped. So I picked it back up. Um... I redownloaded it and started it. Uh, I think Friday. I think it was. I think it was sometime this week. Um, just just to give it a shot, just to try. And my first impression of it is that it definitely, it, like you were saying, it's not survival horror, but it's horror slash thriller in in the mechanics of the game. So it's very a good parallel would be Last of Us. It's very Last of Us esque in the sense of you have to worry about inventory management. You have to worry about uh, uh, ammo and things yeah. like that. That's and a good that's point. Where, that's where it gets into kind of the scary territory is like when you're overrun with enemies, it's like, Oh my God, I don't have enough ammo. How am I going to survive this? And that part I liked. My thing is right now that's keeping me from continuing is the kind of statement that I don't like, but I think it kind of fits here. Old game is old in the sense of like, because of the games that I'm playing slash have played recently, it's 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 taking me a second to process going back and playing a, a game that was like kind of the mainstream as far as mechanic wise back in the day, but is kind of archaic now in a sense. Um, 
and you know of course like the the graphics and stuff like that i'm not a big graphics guy but you know that was driving me back a little bit but i liked what i played um and it's very pick up and play like i don't think it's going to take me very long to finish because i'm chugging along pretty fast um but what would you say compared to the compared to the first two over this that you like and that you don't like um i don't know the story definitely gets you intrigued uh, you know getting on a train and going across country uh the mechanics are still there as far as like like even just uh in the first area you get to you have to get into a rowboat and so like the mechanics of steering the rowboat around are really nice and it's just realistic in the sense of that it's just it feels natural i guess you know, which in a sense is part of why it feels so clunky because like you're not meant to be this, you know, over the top, like parkour mother effer, you know, you're just a regular guy. And so like, you know, that's part of it. I think it's supposed to feel that way. Um, so like the story, the mechanics are still there. It's just, you know, I just don't know if I'm in the right mindset. Cause it's like, it's just not hitting me right. The open worldness of it isn't a draw for me like I thought it was going to be and so but it still retains the spirit pretty well I'd say okay it's definitely the reason I started it was because I wanted to hop into Exodus just because everyone's been talking about it um but I can see from the time that I put into 2033 I can I feel like I can visualize that uh statement of the mechanics of the game don't really work in an open world setting because that's what's that's what's so perfect about like the last of us is it's not open world. It's very linear, but you have kind of open environments that you can kind of rummage through and and go through, but it's very much an on track thing. If, if there was a last of us that was in an open world setting, I don't know if it would be as good. True. Yeah. So that's pretty apt link. What are you doing? So this week has been very exciting for me. Um, I, I found recently that I struggled to get back into games that were single player only for whatever reason, whether it be, you know, new games like Apex and stuff coming out where multiplayer is so heavily focused or the only option in some of these games that it just made it difficult to jump back into single player games. Uh, But I did jump back into Assassin's Creed Origins, which I never finished or really gave its due time, I believe, Uh, for one reason or another. I think I was so betrayed by Unity and Syndicate back-to-back that I just wanted to buy the Assassin's Creed game for the hope that it was good and then kind of not give it the chance and write it off. But thanks to an old friend, I actually started going back into it now. And I have been playing that nonstop when I have a chance. Um, It's a great game and pretty good story, good character development, fun mechanics. I, I really just have struggled to put it down so that that's kind of what i've been doing gaming wise um one other big thing is my wife and i are starting game of thrones for the first time uh we we never watched it i don't know why it just never grasped my attention and it got really over popularized and it it sort of did what the walking dead did with me where it would get so hyped that I would worry that the episodes wouldn't have as much content, but obviously now we've got a lot to catch up on. 
so we we are starting that so that's kind of been my last week and what will probably be my next week up until the 15th of which the, the yeah. division's going to roll that which that's a that's a subject i've wanted to talk about like shows or you know trends or stuff that you just never got in on and like you're not sad because game of thrones i've talked about it before on previous episodes it's like it just did not grasp me whatsoever you know and that whole oh it doesn't get good till the second season bullshit that everybody always comes up with is just like eh, seems like such an excuse you know it just seems like it just seems like something you throw in there like oh but it gets better it's like uh, I, I don't know i watched the two i watched the first two episodes at least maybe two or three times now and it's just like nothing stuck nothing sticks out that like oh this this show is different than any other show out there and so because of that i should pay attention to i feel it. like shows can get away with that if they're 30 minute long shows or only have six yeah. episodes in the first season, and it's like, okay, it doesn't pick up till the second season. Like, a popular one for me is The Office, where I view, if you were to just sit down and watch the first two episodes of that, you probably wouldn't like the series, but if you watch the entire first season, which is only six episodes, you'll fall in love with it. That That's right. kind of my argument to people. I feel like that works, because yeah, when you're watching that on Netflix or whatever, it's 20-something minutes, whereas Game of Thrones is a full... 45 to an hour long commitment of your time per episode to, mm-hmm. to get into it. But mm-hmm. we, we've somewhat determined to ourselves we are going to sit down and figure out what this is about um, come hell or high water. So that that's something I'm kind of excited about. So how far? I, I have only watched the first episode. So we are, we are still very, oh, very okay. new into it. I just think that especially since she's agreeing to do it with me, you know, it's not just me saying hey, I'm going to do this. It's something that even if we don't get into it, we can still enjoy ourselves watching. I think that's the exciting part for me. Interesting. So, I mean, I can talk to this because that's what my wife and I are doing. We're on season seven right now. We still got to watch the first episode of season seven. But um, I've, I had seen the series. I'd, I'd binged the series and watched uh, whenever season seven came out. So I was caught up. And... I had somehow talked her into watching Game of Thrones to to binge before the final season came out. And she had the same reaction. Like she, she didn't think she would like it at all. And the first season, um, she like the first two episodes, she was like, I don't like these characters. And I'm like, well, you know, and then she got through it. And then by the end of season one, she was like, Oh, okay. I, you know, I want to see more. The second season is her least favorite season. Um, to which I, I can agree, but what's what, I, the argument I will make for what is different about Game of Thrones, what makes Game of Thrones better than other shows, is I haven't seen a show, which, which it depends on the type of viewer you are, I haven't seen a type of show work that does this as perfectly. So what I love about Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones gives you a lot, lot, lot of information. But... Like when you start the show, you hate these characters, but whenever their comeuppance finally follows, it makes it so worth it. So, like a good example is season five. Season five is a good season, but season five is is it's not filler, but it's very much build up. Like it's giving you information pieces that that you need to know. Whereas in season six, all of season five mm-hmm. pays off in season six. 
So like the like story points they talked about in five, they find that not finally, but they give a conclusion to, or they you know basically six is a lot I more. I feel like that makes me is. more excited because so, you saying that reminds me of one particular show, which is Lost, where they would just fill your head mm-hmm. with all this stuff that you're thinking, I I don't know what to do with this, I don't know what to do with this, and then it results in the death of a person, and you're like, oh, wow, this show is genius. Yeah, and also continuity is a big word with Game of Thrones. So the only the only other people I've seen match continuity as well has obviously been you know Marvel and the MCU. The continuity of like they they taught like they talk about stuff in the first season. Like they the big events that happen in, in the first season are stories of events that happened. You're finally finding out the information, like actually diving into wait what was that actually about, and you're getting these resolutions and you're getting everything they're answering every story thread that they're giving you which is a lot of different story threads so it it does take some time it does take a lot of uh and my wife does this all the time that's why i won't let her watch it without me is because i know she's going to ask questions i know that she's going to get confused and you know i'll be able to answer like hey but also when we were re-watching there were several parts that i was like baby i don't remember what what happens here um but it just it plays around with the you know, if you've watched Game of Thrones up by now, I mean, you don't need to hear me say this, but it plays around with the um, kind of what we can, what we think of a traditional like medieval kind of fantasy show, and makes it way more adult, turns it on its head completely, and it, it just, it's a story that. I never really thought I would get super invested in, and especially her. She's in love with it. Like she loves it now, and she can't wait for to watch season seven, and can't wait to watch season. Eight. I can't wait for her to watch season seven to see the stuff that happens. I mean, it's it gets kind of batshit crazy a lot of the time. But so that would be my argument is just the fact of how the showrunners tell this story over these past seven years, seven to ten years. It's it's it it is a work of art. It's very well written you know and a lot of people can like give george railroad martin that's not his actual name but george rr R. martin um they give him a lot of crap for his writing and like people who are very much into literature they're like you know oh his whole thing is he just fills the book with sex and violence like that's how he sells his books but i think what which i can't give credence to because i haven't read a, a lot of them but i think that db weiss and I can't remember the other guy's name, the showrunners for Game of Thrones have been able to take George's story and turn it into this adaptation for TV that that is just, it's easily one of the best pieces of TV we've seen in the past few years. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Also on Assassin's Creed Origins, I, I can agree with you on that. Assassin's Creed Origins is a game that when I first played it, like the first couple hours, I was like, I'm not into this. And then I picked it back up later and played a lot of it. Now, I haven't finished it either. I'm close to finishing it. But it's it's a game that, it's a very enjoyable Assassin's Creed experience. It's a very much pick up and play. Like, do I want to do a story quest or do I want to do the billion side quests that I could possibly do? Now, for me, I'm trying not to play as much of it because I eventually want to play Odyssey. And I don't want to scratch that itch completely that I don't have an itch anymore. <laughs> So, I don't want to play a whole lot feel, of Origins. Just, just a quick point to add anymore. I feel that Assassin's Creed Origins has one of the best, most diverse side quest uh, givers, giver cast, does that work, uh, amongst any game that I've played recently. Like, their side quests are so good 
that I'm the type of player who normally goes through and bursts through the main quest and does some side quests. I have hit every single side quest up to the point where I am, which is like 10 to 12 hours into the game. So that's what I like. But. Yeah, I will agree with that. And that's been a thing with Origins and Odyssey is the main quests are okay, but the side quest is really where the story's at. Like you find a lot of different really well-written dialogue and moments that... Um, which is interesting that they chose to do that in the side quests. But, I mean, I guess that makes sense if they're trying to build right. out this world. That's the way to do it. Um, now, for me, I've really not been doing a whole lot. Um, I have been jumping from game to game and been trying to get that itch scratch, like I said previously. But I just I really haven't been able to. Um, I've jumped a lot from New Dawn, Far Cry New Dawn. I've been playing some more of it. Uh, I jumped into Modern Warfare Remastered last night just to play some campaign stuff and just get my ass just demolished by the veteran mission. I'm I'm playing again on veteran because I never completed it, and I'm just getting 100% wrecked. And I'm just kind of like... But nothing's been really working for me as far as, you know, games. Like, nothing's been really hitting the spot. So, and I think that has a lot to do with me being really excited for Division 2. Because I even jumped back into Division 1 earlier, um, I think Friday, and played a couple missions. And even that, I was just like, I'm not really feeling this. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, that's my main thing is I think I'm just really, like, the more I'm seeing of Division 2, the more I'm just getting completely ready and excited for it. Which I honestly didn't think I was. Because, like, I've told before, I liked Division 1. I hopped in launch night, you know, of course, with all the the issues. Uh, And then Division became a a podcast game for me. Something I would, like, put a podcast on for and just grind out echoes, grind out, like, events and things like that. Um, But from what I've seen of Division 2, it looks like they're radically changing and evolving every single thing that I kind of liked with Division 1. And making it 100% better. Yeah, I think one of the main problems I'm worried about for Division 2 is, and this is kind of a compliment at the same time, but I'm just worried people are just going to be like, oh, this is just more Division, you know? And it's like, me personally, I don't see that as a bad thing. But I could see, like, it not getting as good of reviews because it's just like, oh, it's more Division, you know? I don't think I don't think. Well, so yeah, I mean, that's just I, what I, I think personally worried about because it's like you know just from what i've seen um i mean there's definitely enough that is uh interesting about it and i mean there's just so much to get excited for you know but i just do feel like uh the the biggest problem it'll have is feeling too much like the original one you know and i mean i mean from a gameplay perspective because obviously we're just talking from a visual perspective oh my god I'm so glad they they started the beta, and I'm assuming the game, they started it off in a green area. You know, starting it off that way really just punches you in the face like, hey, this is not the same game, we swear to God. Yeah, the reason I made that statement of I don't know if I agree with that is um, because jumping back into Division 1, after seeing the stuff from Division 2 of everything they've showed off, Division one just feels kind of empty to me. Well, yeah, because the environment it just feels yeah. like, right, right. But even more so, like it just nothing was in capturing me into that world. 
uh, like Division Two looks like it will. Like I'm interested to scour DC. I'm interested to go to the different true, biomes. True. But playing through playing through the the little bit of I, I did. I think I played about two hours of Division One, and I just wasn't. I just wasn't feeling it. You know, not not like how, not like how I used to really enjoy yeah. Division mm-hmm. One. All right, that's pretty much what we've been doing this week, playing some games, watching some movies, kind of the, the normal stuff. But the last segment we're going to get into for the show is going to be our picks of the week. Now, picks of the week, it's where we're going to bring something to the show, tell you guys maybe it's a song we heard, maybe it's a news article we read that we that we want to share uh, and things like that. I'll go ahead and start it off with a an, an unboxing video that I came across by The Relaxing End. If you guys enjoy unboxing videos, you probably know who this guy is. He does these very polished, very professional unboxing videos against a complete white backdrop. I mean, it's visually stunning. But what he did in this episode was he was unboxing the $250 version of the D- Division Two Collector's Edition, the quote-unquote Phoenix Shield Edition. And my God, if there was ever a Collector's Edition worth $250, it's this one. Everything about what he pulled out of the box, I yeah, was impressed with. True. You know, and this is coming from someone who loved the Halo Breach Collector's Edition, which had Halsey's journal in it that had notes and coffee scenes. I mean, it was very in-universe. You have things like a complete lithograph art book, you know, a world map that's completely detailed out. And then to top it all off, the actual figure slash statue that you get. I don't think I have ever seen a figure with this much detail on every single bit of equipment all the weapons like the it looks yeah incredible like if i had 250 bucks to spend Definitely. on this i would a good a good comparison would be the kingdom hearts 3 collector's edition which basically the only difference in between the deluxe edition with the steelbook and the 200 slash 250 dollar one was these toy story 3 kingdom hearts action figures which looks like they're worth 20 bucks this statue from the division looks like a hot yeah. toys collectible. I mean, it's it's detailed to a T with full articulation in the weapons. I mean, you have a folding stock on the sniper rifle. Right. Are you serious? <laughs> so, um, we'll put the link in the description for the video. Check it out. It's it's really really something special. So, for my pick of the week, I was introduced to a certain soundtrack by a certain amazing friend I have. You guys will never get to meet him, but he hosts a podcast, and his name is Nate. Um, Anyway, obviously I'm talking about this, Nate. He introduced me, uh, a guy named Link, to something called Zelda and Chill. And if you're a fan of, like, just having music on in the background while you're either doing work or playing video games like I am, this music is so amazing because I like stuff that doesn't necessarily encourage me to sing along, per se, but gives me something Mm, to listen to. And kind of relaxes me. And that's exactly what this is. Um, you can look it up. Zelda and Chill either on YouTube or Spotify. They have a whole playlist. But I assure you your time will not be wasted. It is basically covers of the Legend of Zelda theme songs. Slash songs in the game. Slash soundtracks from trailers and stuff. Put to a lo-fi kind of soothing rhythm. That 
honestly just gets expanded for like probably 10 minutes each song and is amazing especially when like for me i play it in the background when i'm playing league of legends which is typically a very stressful toxic environment that is so chill and so amazing that i even started listening to the other ones they've done like pokemon and chill and stuff but honestly i think their best one is zelda and chill so that would be my recommendation for pick of the week yeah this was one of those that i for, I for a while like I think whenever I was I would be busy editing I was looking for some music like you were saying to just play in the background and I discovered this this uh, genre of lo-fi you know hip-hop lo-fi chill step and things like that and then I stumbled across this now I do want to give a shout out to the artist who who did the Zelda and Chill album his name's Mikkel um, he's on YouTube and I think he's got some other work as well but when I heard this I was just in in awe I mean, I was like, I, the, I already love remixes of the Zelda soundtrack, and this is just, it, it's, a, it's a perfect one. And, and it's even got stuff from uh, Breath of the Wild, some, some, new, some of the newer entry stuff. But yeah, um, I, <laughs> like, like Link was saying, if a, a, trust Link's opinion, if anybody, specifically, uh-huh. Link. Ha 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 ha. Um, but no, like he was saying, if you haven't heard this, check it out. It's, you, you're not going to be disappointed. All right, Nick, what um, you got? So other than Instant Family, which I thought was a nice movie, uh, I'd say The Passage. It's a new show on uh, Fox, and it's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's about vampires, but it it really isn't, but at least so far. It's very, it's hard to describe unless you just go ahead and watch it or whatever, but, you know, the the basic premise is um, people are getting experimented on because, you know, like the... They found some, you know, 250-year-old guy, which ended up being a vampire. So they're trying to, you know, create other vampires to get their immunity and make it a cure for everything, basically. And so then they're going to take this kid in, but, you know, the guy who's taking her in grows a heart, apparently. And so then that's kind of what the whole series is about so far. And I really like it, you know, so I, I, I'd suggest what checking it out it's the passage and let's hope this show doesn't get foxed so let me ask you a a question is it does it seem very last of us-esque to you because when i first saw that no okay because there's a movie on netflix the girl with all the gifts or i think it was amazon that looked like it was very much the story of ellie from the last of us so when i saw the trailer for the passage it seemed like premise because obviously you have an older guy and a younger lady and you know he's trying to protect her and he, it's kind of taking over the father or the daughter complex or whatever. So, you know, so yes, in a way, like in the most basic of basic ways, yeah, I guess in a little bit, but also not at all. So like it, it's it's definitely just something like I have it on Hulu. So I just watch it and I'm like, oh, I'm actually really enjoying this. So and at the end of one of the episodes, oh, I saw sixth in Idaho and I'm like, wait, what? Idaho? <laughs> I know that place. <laughs> Yeah. It's the little things. It's the little things. All right. Well, that's going to be the show today. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, Link. Nick, I hope hope you get to feeling better, man. Because, man. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, you literally are sick of this. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in to Nerd to the Third, where you can always talk nerdy to me.